You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in, everybody. No big deal. This is the first time we are all here together. First time in the history of the world, the history of the universe. We are Monday Football Monday, a new NFL show brought to you by SB Nation. I am RJ Ochoa. I am joined by Pete Sweeney, by Michael Kist. We are going to be here every single Monday to talk about what happened on Sunday. Of course, all things NFL, the biggest games, the biggest plays, the lowest moments, the tears of joy, all the sadness, all the sorrow. Pete, kissed. How goes it? Excellent. It goes well, man. It's good to be here. We've been talking about this for a while. This is why we lifted all them weights, and we're finally here, all of us together. I'm happy. I, I feel blissful. RJ, let the let the listeners know who you are. We'll we'll, we'll introduce you know each one of us since people may be coming from different team brand feeds and whatnot. Like sure. I do, Bleeding Green Nation. You do blogging the boys. We got you know the Super Bowl champions over there. We're brought to you by SB Nation and. I mean, I think we're all a little bit biased, but SB Nation is my favorite place in the world because it brings together sports fans all over the world, all different walks of life, sports fans of all different teams. You mentioned it, Kissed. I am the manager and editor-in-chief of SB Nation's Dallas Cowboys website, bloggingtheboys.com. I oversee our website, our social media, our podcast network. We have shows every single day talking all things America's team. I have a lot of experience in radio. I did a lot of radio stuff in San Antonio. Um, I was part, uh, along with Pete, uh, of SB Nation's flagship, no pun intended there, venture into Radio Row mm. last year in Miami at the Super Bowl. So anybody who's listening on a random, you know, no no offense to your NFL team, but a random feed, if you're a Jets fan, if you're a Falcons fan, you might have heard me uh, chopping it up with different people down there in Miami. So um, the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the world. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb. Everybody needs to know that. And uh, Dak Prescott should be paid. Uh, and those are the things that I stand for. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at RJ Ochoa. And uh, I can also be found here every Monday with my two pals. Pete, tell us tell us a little bit about, about the big Hi. Sweeney. Yeah, I'm Pete Sweeney. It's a, a pleasure to be on this show. First time really covering the league as a whole. I covered the Kansas City Chiefs for Arrowhead Pride as part of the SB Nation Network. So we now have someone who covers America's team and someone who covers the Cowboys on the show, which is which is good. Nice. I also do work for 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, as well as 41 Action News, which is Chiefs coverage. They're the official partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. So everything Chiefs, catch me on social media at PG Sweeney. That's my name, Pete Sweeney. So and I'm excited. I'm 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 excited about this show. I'm excited to get into some other teams, get into some NFC coverage. I think one of my major roles on this show will be making sure this doesn't turn into a Dak a Carson Wentz conversation every single time. So I'm gonna do the best I possibly can. And and that's a good segue to 
uh, talk about who who Michael Kiss the person is. Well, he's a he's a Dak oh. fan, right? Kiss. Here we go. I mean, that's the truth. Look, we've got a segment where we're going to talk about some NFC teams. We'll deal with it then. For now, I'm Michael Kiss. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kiss NFL. That's K I S T, just like Sun Kiss. Uh, I'm the producer for Bleeding Green Nation podcast, the two times SB Nation team brand podcast champion. Uh, I'm a Scouting Academy alum. I won their Prove It competition against hundreds of other combatants back in 2017. That really kind of kickstarted everything for me. Uh, in 2018, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville held a draft analyst competition on their Midday 180 show. I also won that to become their junior draft analyst behind the wonderful Greg Cosell. So my background has a good deal of scouting in both college and the pro game. Uh, I'm very humble about all of those accomplishments. If you couldn't tell, yeah. probably the most humble out of anybody. Mm-hmm. Very clear. <laughs> this trio that we're dealing with here for, for hashtag MFM. I, like, I couldn't be more excited to start the journey with these guys. Uh, having this feed in particular was a dream of mine when I started with SB Nation. And thankfully, the success of podcasts like BGN, Blogging the Boys, Arrowhead Pride, and everybody else have made that dream come true. And I'm jacked up to be on this journey with you guys. I'm very excited. Uh, I know we've all done some cross-pollination with each other. Kiss and I, we've we've chatted uh, when the Cowboys have played the Eagles a lot. Uh, Pete, you and I, again, we... Um we well we we ran Miami if I'm if we're being honest uh, yes we all have a lot of experience with SB Nation and as you said Kiss with podcasting and so when they said the three of you guys are going to talk about the league as a whole we said okay let's yeah. do it it is Monday it is Labor Day so very happy Labor Day and uh, we are now what three days away from the NFL season beginning as you mentioned Kiss we're going to talk about the top teams in the NFC top teams in the AFC probably includes Kansas City I would imagine uh, teams that we think might be surprising maybe the chicago bears kissed uh who is a big fan of uh of, of mitchell trubisky don't you dare some teams that might be disappointing perhaps the philadelphia eagles if uh kissed will allow me uh and then you know of course we'll get into our game of the week it's going to be very different it's going to be very unique i think this season more than any other is going to really need podcasts to, to help us all talk and get through and hold hands so the monday football monday crew is here for you i just gotta be honest though uh when we named the show I had a lot of suggestions that were a lot better than Monday Football Monday. Did you want to pitch them? Or did you do want to like rebrand the show already one episode in? Is that what we're doing here? I might drop one. I had a lot of suggestions that were very The one that did. I remember <laughs> most specifically is is Chicken or Beef. You were very right. high on calling this show, this football <laughs> show, Chicken or Beef. I thought it would work well. Like, you know, like you, you have to decide. Yeah, we, it had promise. We, we got a little bit away from it. We, we figured hashtag MFM is something that people could get behind. Something that people could look forward to. Not, nothing wrong with chicken or beef. We just we went with a better better name. I think in the, in the long run, maybe chicken or beef is like you know when you're deciding between two like like a Mitchell Trubisky Nick Foles situation, right? And and Trubisky is just like that pinkish undercooked disgusting chicken mm, like in a corningware dish that you didn't put in the microwave for long enough or something like and Foles right. is is kfc i mean it's not the best chicken but it's gonna hit the spot whenever whenever you need it so so kfc won't be sponsoring monday football monday it seems <laughs> okay all right. <laughs> all right okay it is time for the season preview here on monday football monday everybody else in the world likes to think that they know what they're talking about they don't Pete, Kist, and I uh, are going to tell you the teams uh that are most likely going to be representing the blue n when it comes to Tampa Bay's Super Bowl in February, I reckon that Tampa Bay is involved there. In fact, maybe we just start there. Like the, the slam dunk for the number one seed in the NFC does come from that division, but it's the New Orleans Saints. And top to bottom, 
the most talented roster in the NFL. They're going to be in our game of the week. I want to talk about it later there, uh, but I think their argument for the number one seed is incredibly straightforward. After them, I think you have to look at the reigning NFC champions, the San Francisco 49ers. I think it's important to look at what they did in a historical context and ask the question, is it possible for a team? Then went from a bottom five team, which saw crazy improvements in DVOA on both sides of the ball from one year to the next, to stick the landings on both of those improvements and not slip even just a little bit the next year. And history tells us that that's pretty rare. Further working against them is that they play in the toughest division in the NFL. The Seahawks are serious contenders every year, despite the fact that they won't let Russ cook. The Rams have a baseline for offensive success with Sean McVay, and I'd argue that Shanahan and Garoppolo have a higher floor than McVay and Goff, but the Rams are still going to be very competitive. The Arizona Cardinals are a sneaky team that we might talk about in some of those surprising teams, right? They're the trendy pick. And look, I've got Seattle winning this division, but I don't think a 12 or 13 win teams comes out of that division. It's just too competitive from T to B, from top to bottom. So if it's not them as a one seed contender, and it can't be the Tampa Bay Bucks if they're the second in the division behind the Saints, then that team either has to come from the North or, or, or they're the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. And (sighs) I struggle with this because every year we get all this media hype surrounding the Cowboys and every year they fall flat. And I get it. They have a huge fan base spread out all over the country. They're a moneymaker for the league, so they get more coverage. But this year, I think they actually deserve it. I hate that I have to say that because I know my BGN following will hate me for, hate me for it. And I know RJ is about to say some stupid stuff off the back of it. But, I mean, the big question is simple. Do they just get better from switching out Jason Garrett for Mike McCarthy? And the answer for me is yes. And the biggest part in all of this, and I, and I said this uh, when, it, when it all kicked off, retaining Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator, as long as McCarthy doesn't meddle too much, was the right choice and really the only choice. So you think about Dak's breakout rookie season, the offensive line certainly isn't as good now, and it's not bad, but there's a drop off. Looking at his weapons, this is the best supporting cast that he's ever had. So the offense has been night and day since the acquisition of Mari Cooper. Michael Gallup is one of the best number two receivers in the league. CeeDee Lamb was my wide receiver mm. one in the class. Blake Jarwin is such a big upgrade over trying to play the 60-year-old Jason Witten. And Zeke is Zeke is Zeke. The defense will be a problem, but the offense can win those boat races if needed. I think they're legit this year. They don't have any excuses left. The scapegoat is gone. Dallas has to make a run this year, and they need to sign Dak because he's a doggone good quarterback there. I said it. You know, we're going to get to the AFC, though, too. And and I, you know, I cover the Chiefs. And so you look at the weapons they have. When you look at the Cowboys and you see that they were able to keep Cooper and they have Gallup and they were able to add in C.D. Lamb. What I think is key for the Cowboys is Prescott is simply out of excuses. He's on a freaking franchise tag, too. You know how disrespectful it is to give the quarterback a franchise tag? Like, this is all the motivation in the world to be the team this year. I think that comes with pressure because now you have to do it. The, all the excuses have been thrown out the window. But you're right. I, I think it was key for you to mention that McCarthy needs to not meddle too much in, and, and just let the Cowboys be who they're going to be. I think he is best when he just plays that head coach role. And that in itself is, is a job. So I like the Cowboys there. And, and you guys kind of mentioned the teams that I wanted to talk about as well, the, the three teams that I have as my type candidates are the Saints, the Bucks, and the Seattle Seahawks. So that that kind of rounds up what, what I was going to get at as well. I don't know where to start here. <laughs> uh, I've, I've reached Nirvana, first of all. I, I think I think Kist is right. I think it's uh, not that you're any less right, Pete, but mm. it is very strange to see the pro-Cowboys movement 
across uh, our Twitter friends, right? You know, last year we had Ravens Twitter. There, there is a, a following, an intellectual following for what the Dallas Cowboys have done uh, from the offseason's beginning to this point. Uh, you know, I think that has kind of bought favor for McCarthy in some ways. You look at, for example, Joe Judge has been killed for the kind of like hokey things he's done with the Giants, like making them run laps and things like that. Mike McCarthy uh, put names on the back of Cowboys players practice jerseys he took names and numbers off when they held their scrimmage for the purposes of not giving away information to you know because that that was streamed on the Cowboys website and etc so I think you know I think that's a sign of, of how much favor he's he's bought and curried with people is that he was able to do those things and not get dragged for them but I, I think that he did do a lot of things to sort of merit that uh the the drafting of CeeDee Lamb it is so it sounds so stupid to give the Cowboys credit because you're right, Kiss, the best receiver in the class. Wow, you know, good job. You really, really went on a limb drafting CeeDee Lamb. However, this team, and, and I can tell you both, and, and I know you both follow the Cowboys because you have brains, they are notorious for sort of ignoring you know, I, I don't want to call it best player available, but ignoring common sense and going with what they believe is the right way. They were enamored with Caleb on Chason, the edge rusher from LSU that went to Jacksonville, and CeeDee Lamb happened to fall to them and really tested their philosophies. Are they going to be this team that is willing to adapt and adjust on the fly for the greater good, in this case, CeeDee Lamb, or are they going to rely on their old, archaic, you know, schematic beliefs, if you want to call it that? And so CeeDee Lamb is emblematic of a lot of things in that regard. I, I think you both know certainly the Chaz Green game of 2017 uh, where Adrian Claiborne destroyed him. That game in itself describes a lot of what Jason Garrett's flaws were. The Cowboys went into that game in Atlanta and said, Tyron Smith is hurt. Chaz, you just you just have to be the better. You got you to gotta beat your man one-on-one. You got, and whereas, you know, a Kyle Shanahan, an Andy Reid, a Doug Peterson would would say, okay, well, I'm losing right off the bat in this fight, so let me scheme to this advantage. That was never how Jason Garrett operated. Mike McCarthy visited Pro Football Focus, which automatically increases his intelligence by 10 <laughs> points. Um, and he is very, very, very cool and hip uh, in terms of how he sees this game. I really just believe that this team that was already one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL is going to really, really, really lean into that. They are better on defense. They've added everything. Everson Griffin. I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons to believe why this is a team that can contend for the number one seed. My, my only fear is is just that they find a way to, to not do that time after time after time again. In fact, you know, the teams you both cover have won Super Bowls since we've all held these jobs and the Dallas Cowboys haven't come anywhere close. I think the theme of the NFC when you talk about these contenders, though, like for me, we're talking about the Cowboys. I, I mentioned it's the Saints, the Bucks and the Seahawks. The theme is they have to get it done this year. And three of them are not going to, right? Because you look at the Cowboys. I just talked about how there's no excuses. The New Orleans Saints, what are they? A billion dollars over the cap next year? Like a billion? <laughs> so they have to figure that out once they are able to get the Camara deal done, which I know um, has to happen. Drew Brees is 41 years old. I, this mm. could be the, the last year that he really has an opportunity when you talk about all the moves that they have to make. He already has a broadcast deal done. And so to me, you have to take advantage. Kiss mentioned how they have one of the better rosters, if not the best roster in the National Football League. That's good enough 
to I think do enough with Breeze to 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 say okay this should be the team that's there. I like the Sanders addition. I like bringing back Malcolm Jenkins. Just the other day, Marcus Williams talked about how Jenkins is already helping his game, and so I look at the Bucks too. And and with Tom Brady, I mean that's a two year rental. Like that is a two year rental, maybe. And, and, and you're looking at this year, like how long is Gronk necessarily going to be back for? And you're surrounding him with the same type of receivers that the Cowboys have to me in Godwin and, and Evans. Now you have Leonard Fournette suddenly there. You brought back Gronk. You told the organization, we want Gronk here. How much one-on-one is he going to get in the middle of the field? And, and this is a team that has to do it with Brady, right? You're going all in on Tom Brady, and he's not going to have a lot of time. This is someone that's now entering his mid 40s. And so to me, I, I just think that's the NFC. One team's going to be really happy and the other teams are going to be like, this happened to us again. What did the Eagles fall, Kiss? I mean, like, are, are they, I mean, I'm serious. Are, are they a tier? Because they're already dealing with offensive line injuries, such as is the life in Philadelphia. I very much hesitate to put the Cowboys on this tier above the Eagles. The, the next conversation, so to speak, I think involves the Eagles, involves the Vikings, involves maybe the Rams, interestingly enough. But I think the Eagles are maybe at the top of that group because they have the best coach. And so, and and depending on, you know, which Carson Wentz you get, which in your own humble opinion is the second best quarterback in the NFC East. I mean, you know, that that team, I mean, Jalen Rager, like there's so many question marks that I, I don't know how to feel about so many things, but if they all go the right way, then this team is in that mix as well. So we covered this on Bleeding Green Nation podcast recently on the Kiston Solex show and I was asking my co-host Benjamin Solak you know the over under is set at 9.5 which is I think is a great number for them I think it's a reasonable number he picked the under and the reasons he gave are pretty great I mean he, he listed all of the concerns that the Eagles have the uh, you know offensive coaching staff turnover the defensive coaching staff turnover the injuries that they had the questions along their offensive line we don't know who that as of this recording who the left tackle actually is for the <laughs> Eagles and it can be very confusing for them but so it trying to project them forward when they have you know free agent addition will Parks he goes down with a hamstring the first round rookie goes down the first round rookie from the year before goes down it's hard to predict what this team is going to be when they cannot shake the injury bug and there are so many questions up in the air. So for me to come out and say, oh, well, they can definitely contend with the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know because of those questions that continue to happen. Now, if they get their crap together and they're relatively healthy, healthy moving on, for sure, because you're still looking at a pretty talented roster. You're looking at a pretty good quarterback when things are right around him and you're looking at a doggone good head coach that has won a Super Bowl. They can contend, but it might have to happen later on in the season as the team gels a little bit or they get healthier. But right now, I mean, I just I just can't say that they're going to win the East. Okay. Are there any NFC contenders we are leaving out? Anybody? This is your chance. But before the games have kicked off, if you want to stake your claim. I'm putting my flag on whoever Antonio Brown signs with week six just to because I know it's going to be an NFC contender. I know they're going to be feeling like a little saucy, and I know it's going to make them even saucier in the eyes of fans in the media. So I'll go with that team. Okay. Kiss, you mentioned the Seahawks. I mean... They fall outside of the one-seed conversation that we're, that we're kind of having here for me. Number one, because the, the division is so tough. Like I said, I don't think a 12-13 win comes out of that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, they just don't let Russ cook. If they would just do that... <laughs> I mean, they would certainly be in contention pretty much every year because you have an elite quarterback. Let the guy throw the freaking football, 
and we'd be having a conversation, you wouldn't be having one-score games with the Cincinnati Bengals. You wouldn't be having one-score games with the Philadelphia Eagles playing Josh McCown in the playoffs. <laughs> There's no reason for it. So until that's fixed, yeah, I can't have him in that conversation. Underrated point about the Seahawks, too. Quinton Dunbar not being tied up in serious legal trouble, I think, is a huge plus because they really need him. And yeah, you're right. I, I think with, with Russell Wilson... I, the the potential's unlimited. You know what I mean, and and that's that's just how I feel about the Seattle Seahawks. And they did kind. Of, they're kind of the only team that that sort of said, "Yeah, college football is going to look really weird." <laughs> <laughs> so who cares about this first round draft pick? Uh, you know, let's go get Jamal Adams. So I mean, uh, well, that is the NFC. We're all going to take a quick break. Uh, Pete has uh, has a roast in the oven. He's promised mm. us pieces of. Uh, Kissed, uh, I think, shopped for some wines that would pair well. So we're going to take a break. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the AFC, maybe Pat Mahomes, who knows. Uh, definitely Lamar Jackson, the best quarterback in the conference. And, of course, our surprising and disappointing teams come to 2020 season. We're back after this on Monday Football Monday. Welcome back. The roast was delicious. The wine went just incredibly well with it pete kissed uh it's great to see your beautiful faces again uh afc contenders kissed you can go first and a non a non-chiefs ravens team por favor really non well, that's, that's, see that's I mean, the we, part of the afc though RJ, i mean not to cut you off here but <laughs> it's the chiefs it's the ravens and there's nobody close there's nobody close and that and it and it, if the chiefs or the ravens are not in the super bowl that is a shock. That is a shock. To me, it's like the NFC, which we just spoke about a little bit. You could hear in our conversation, man, this thing is wide open. There's going to be some disappointed ass teams in the NFC. If it, uh, what? So, Kiss, <laughs> I, I want to say this before you answer. When, when we were in Miami on Radio Row, and, you know, because we're doing the whole who's going to win the big game thing, and Pete thought the idea of San Francisco winning was just like this insult. Mm. Who could possibly pick against the Chiefs? It's, if anyone is a little bit, you know, up on Mount Pius here, <laughs> I think it is it is unquestionably What happened uh, in the what happened know? in the game? <laughs> I I mean, but they, it wasn't like a hundred and nothing. That's all I'm saying. No. Like, you know, the Chiefs have lost games. The Chiefs before. were down That's 10 all I'm saying. with six minutes to go and one by eleven. Yeah, it took a while to get the car started. And look <laughs> <laughs> pulling the curtain back and i want to be very clear here i covered the chiefs i was born in new york i'm from long island to be to be honest with you everybody i grew up a new fan of the new york giants i try to take my bias out as much as i can we're watching the next joe montana the next tom brady like that is a huge part of this thing and, and i nobody disagrees with. but that. what i'm saying is we went to we went to radio row and i said yeah i i i couldn't believe people were picking the 49ers would i have been completely shocked if they pulled it out no but to go into that game and to pick them, I just thought was preposterous. And guess what? In the end, what happened? Anyway, sorry, not to not to keep taking the ball away from Kiss, but go ahead, Michael. Sorry. Look, so I think just about everybody would say that the Chiefs are the number one seed, and that's why you're saying take them out of the conversation. Great coach, unbelievable quarterback, great talent on the roster. But my prediction for the top slot is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, here we go. Sorry, Pete. This is, this is... So you're, ta <laughs> you're talking about a team – with a wide-open Super Bowl window, an unbelievably hard-to-plan-for and explosive offense, and a defense that has, to this point, defied regression despite bad injury luck recently. And if that cleans up, holy crap. This is a well-coached, well-managed, well-quarterbacked, well-oiled machine that only began to scratch the surface of what they could be last year. And, that, and what gives me a lot of optimism for their 2020 outlook on top of all of that is that you have an organization that truly buys 
into optimizing their on-field approach with analytics. And they have a coaching staff that did not get picked over in the offseason. For example, offensive coordinator Greg Roman, Mm -hmm. the architect behind the most unconventional offense in the league, not getting stolen away for a head coaching gig. That's one of the biggest offseason victories that nobody's talking about. This team has big run written all over them. They're my one seed in the AFC. I can see the Chiefs stumbling slightly enough with the Super Bowl hangover. I got the Lamar Jackson-led, John Harbaugh-coached Ravens at the top. The Ravens added Calais Campbell, and I love Patrick Queen and J.K. Dobbins. I'm interested in seeing how they get Dobbins in the mix. I love Lamar Jackson, right? Lost Earl Thomas, for the record. I mean, all, you know, plus minus is included. We we, we get it, brother. And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, while I love those additions, love, L-O-V-E, love the additions. L-O-V. Is, 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 is there an E there? Whatever. Spell it how you want. <laughs> I look at the team and, and I see there's there's a little bit of turnover there, right? What happened this offseason? No in-person meetings. No preseason <laughs> games. Really couldn't get together and f- see how these guys mix together. I just worry, what are the other teams in the AFC going to do with this Kansas City Chiefs team who basically returned everybody? Tyron Matthew, their safety, their guy who leads the defense, he's back. Uh, They didn't really turn over a lot of the secondary. I understand Bashad Breeland has the suspension. Everyone in the offense is back, and the most hyped offensive player of all time is their only addition. And what did Andy Reid call him? He, He compared him to Brian Westbrook and said the night of the draft that he was a better Brian Westbrook. I would like to see a wide open AFC. I would like to see teams contend with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think if there's any team to do it, as I explained, it's the Baltimore Ravens. But again, just picking them right now to be the top dog, I think it's just hard to do until they do it. And like they might, and they might, they might. But going into this on paper, and I understand they, that's why they play the games. Like to me, it has to be the Chiefs. Like don't forget the one one buy this year, and there's no longer two buys, so it makes it all the more interesting. Yeah, and I mean, there's one team that can derail the Ravens. It's not the Chiefs, though. Because they don't even play each other, right? Right. It's, it comes from their own division. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's and, right. No beard, Ben. You know, baby. I, He's got a YouTube <laughs> series now, baby. Watch out for Ben. <laughs> I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't think they're my my three seed. You know, like the Colts, the Patriots, or like my third, you know, biggest threat team from the AFC. The Colts have an argument. The Patriots have a solid case. Maybe the Bills if they had a real quarterback. But you're talking about mm. an AFC North rivalry that's going to be reignited wow. to new heights in 2020 with Roethlisberger back. A defense that found its old school form last year. This team is going to cook. I think my my big issue with them is how inconsistent they can be from week to week. Their performances on the road are just mind blowing, like just different from what they are at home. Especially with Big Ben, who has some wild splits in that regard. So if it comes and and look, the Browns are going to be better than they were last year too. They just have to be because the coaching was such a mess there. I think Baker has a better year. I don't know if it's a top ten year or anything like that, but I think the Browns are overall better. So I think you know that division is going to be good and it's going to be better than it was the year before. And that's the thing that can really take the bite out of the Ravens. I still have them going thirteen and three and I. Have the Chiefs going 12 and 4 are my top seed but RJ who are your guys I acknowledge that both the Chiefs and Ravens are clearly the two best teams in the AFC I hate to get random with it there is so much incredible data available in the world that to to say anything that is dataless is almost a sin um I do feel that this take of like oh the Chiefs are the best until they're not the best because they're the best is a little dataless I will cape a little bit and I will do this half-heartedly, 
uh, admittedly, for the Houston Texans. Mm. I, I mean, because <laughs> who is the third best quarterback in the AFC? We, we fully acknowledge that the first two are without question – Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Did they get rid of Bill O'Brien this offseason, or did I miss a major story? They did not, no. but again— He's, the, a, he's the, a terrible GM, but he's, a, he's an okay coach. Yeah, right? the, the team, Pete, that you have you know, said is impervious to you know all forces in the universe was down— 24 nothing against this squad in i mean like that really happened the day I mean, and, 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 did and, they trade a top three wide receiver for a running back in 2020 or okay, did i miss that okay. major story again i i am not at all suggesting that the houston texans are um the bright shining example of peace and harmony in a locker room um or of you know well-functioning managing just from a business standpoint However, they have done some weird stuff for a long time now, and they've won the AFC South, what, four of the last five years? And I know that some of that includes, uh, you know, Andrew Luck's injuries and things like that. Not exactly like a, a perfect sort of, you know, uh, attaboy to put on, on the Texans or like to hang a banner for anything. But again, this is a team that is that good um, or, or was that good to, to have held that lead at one point. I, Pete, you were, you were sweating. I mean, you know, I you were never sweating in the sweat. divisional around I wear well <laughs> I, uh, well enough deodorant i understand where you guys are going with baltimore and houston and and kissed you alluded to this a little bit the chiefs are are benefit are benefiting from a major point here and that is the division and you look at the texans they got the titans and colts to deal with twice a year you look at the ravens the steelers and the browns are back again and, and who knows what joe burrow is gonna do right yeah pat mahomes drew Locke, Derek carr and tyrod taylor that doesn't scare me at all. Six and zero, oh, likely, maybe five and one. If if Drew Locke gets right. a little spicy there, and so that is just such advantage that the Patriots have had for years, where it's six and zero, oh, six and zero, oh, five and one, four and two, six and zero. Oh. That's a huge advantage. I, again, this has this is independent of the teams we're sort of you know supporting here in Kansas City at Houston. I would argue that Houston's advantage is greater. I mean, Philip Rivers in his first year in Indianapolis in a year to your own admission, Pete, void of any kinds of meetings or anything like that. Ryan Tannehill, I went to Texas A&M University. I was there when Tannehill was a receiver. Does not at all big, scare big me. Big contract, Tanny. And the tanking Jaguars. I mean, I, I think that those six games are more appealing to any arbitrary NFL team than the six games that the Chiefs have to deal with. For One of those teams was in the AFC title game. I understand the Jaguars. <laughs> I understand the Jaguars are not, are not, you're not writing home about the Jacksonville Jaguars. But t Ryan Tannehill is, is the AFC's Jimmy Garoppolo. Until Tannehill is, uh, and Derek uh, uh, Henry uh, come <laughs> back down to earth, which they haven't, they really haven't quite yet. I understand the Chiefs played them well, but let's see how they do throughout the regular season. I mean, A.J. Brown looked like he's one of the better receivers maybe in the National National Football League last year. I don't think he just write off the, the team that was in the AFC title game until they prove that they're not that team anymore. See, Kist, I think you and I, we've gone, you know, we've seen the highs and lows of the Cowboys and the Eagles to where we we can we can <laughs> maturely accept different things. Right now, Pete is like, the Chiefs are awesome. Everybody else sucks. I, I, I mean, that's I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I acknowledge if there's a team, I think the Ravens are are the team. I just think it's really, really difficult to make an argument for anyone else. The hubris of post two thousand seventeen <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> I think I learned a, I learned a valuable lesson from that. But go ahead, RJ. Teams that could surprise us. Uh, apparently, Houston is on the list for Pete. Um, but I mean, a, a team that we haven't mentioned mm -hmm. 
that that come late December when when you're shopping for the the misses you know Christmas or the misters for, for you female football fans or male I who mean, knows yeah I mean whatever whatever you're shopping for when on you're on Amazon on December fourteenth and you're like man the Falcons are in the mix I kind of think the Falcons are are a team that qualifies here for for me I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by the Detroit Lions oh another another intelligent Twitter team. Matt Stafford was easily a top 10 quarterback last year when he's healthy. And if he's healthy and keeps up that type of performance, the wins are just going to come. This prediction is made despite head coach Matt Patricia, who I think has a potato for a brain. I don't think he's a good coach. I also hate his lack of aggression on fourth down, and that's going to cost them some points in some close games. But overall, I think this team has a legit shot at the NFC North title. I don't think the Vikings will be very good this year. The Packers are probably going to take a step back. And I think that gap is closed by the Lions. (laughs) <laughs> not necessarily washed, but he's not what he was right. for sure. I've I've been scarred. This is my hubris <laughs> talking now. I will make my case for the Falcons, Pete, uh, and then you can you know I know it's hard for you to envision any other team oh, having success, but but, so, <laughs> but um, I think I mean another another Matt Matt Ryan still operating at a fairly decent level. It's I mean that that offense can stumble its way to eight wins on its own. Uh, I obviously you had. Tom Brady and, and oh Leonard Fournette like all the graphics by the way with like Leonard Fournette is on the Bucks it's dude I mean let's all just chill out a little bit um sorry I, I had I had a bit of an eye roll moment for, I'm I'm a little like go to Boca Raton and then I, I'm back but anyway I think Matt Ryan's Falcons ugly uniforms aside I mean this is a team that finished strong last year and I I think New Orleans could see the bottom fall. I think New Orleans is just perhaps a little bit emotionally drained. They've played a lot of football over the last three years. They've come so close three years in a row. At some point, the bottom has to come out. Alvin Kamara was not the same player last year. I know he was dealing with an injury, you know, most of it. I think Atlanta is a sneaky team that could pop up and kind of be all, man, that really happened? You know what? Atlanta? You know, I mean, I, I I was firmly convinced that we overrated Atlanta as a whole after 2016. But the way they battled and almost beat the Eagles kissed in the, was it, what, divisional round? I, I remain somewhat on board with Dan Quinn. And clearly the Falcons players do as well. My team, and it comes in the AFC to your surprise. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Is the Buffalo Bills. I think the Buffalo What? Yes, I this... I think the Buffalo Bills have an opportunity to be an interesting team and I'm eager to see how they develop. Like it, to me it all, it all comes down to the quarterback, right? Like is Josh Allen a legitimate guy that could lead his team into what would be contention? But they got they're good on the interior defensively. They're a good defense overall. They had a, a almost a disaster with Tredavious White opting out and and he's going to be back. I I think that's a team that is now in a position where they have the pressure of saying, okay, Tom Brady's out of the division. They are one of these teams that the excuses are kind of gone there. And they feel pretty strongly about Allen that he can be like the Deshaun Watsons and Mahomeses of the AFC. You had Josh Allen this summer presenting a throw-off to Patrick Mahomes. Like a, oh, of course it has to come back. Let's, let, let's, let's focus. I hate the Bills because Josh Allen thinks he might be better than something. Well, and Pat Mahomes, the I, hubris. I like the idea, too, of Stefan Diggs needing to finally put his money where his mouth is. Like, are you going to be the guy? I just think this this team needs to have this natural chip on their shoulder. And that comes naturally with Buffalo. Like, that's a good story. Like Buffalo, rugged, hard nosed, blue collar. Can they hang with the upper echelon of the 
the AFC, and, and they actually do play the Chiefs week six, week six on Thursday night football. I think that'll be a really interesting game to see where they're at. So I want to transition right to my disappointing team because my disappointing team is the Buffalo Bills oh, because of the expectations that they have, right? I mean, they're the three-month AFC East champions who had a wide-open path to finally dethroning the Patriots until the Patriots signed Cam Newton. General Manager Brandon Bean has done an incredible job with the rebuild there. Sean McDermott has a strong argument for being projected as a top 10 head coach. They added Stephon Diggs to give him, the, give him a true wide receiver one. It hinges on the defense not taking too far of a step back because if they have to win something other than a 17 to 10 rock fight, Josh Allen is not the guy. The offense is bad because Josh Allen is bad. He's the worst deep passer in the NFL. Until that changes, mm. the Bills will continue to be paper tigers. And what am I supposed to be impressed by the Bills? Because they went 10 and 6, beating up tomato cans with a cupcake schedule and went one and <laughs> done in the playoffs. Well, that's not scary to anybody. So it's going to get harder for them. It's going to continue to be hard for them if Josh Allen doesn't turn it around. I did name the qualifier of Josh Allen. And obviously the quarterback is is the most important part of this. But. I just think the pieces are around him. I love teams that just try to eliminate all these excuses. I've been saying that's gonna that's been my theme of this initial episode, and I I just think the Bills are there. Who's your disappointing team, Pete? Oh, the Who's Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens. Wow, are you serious? Is it really? <laughs> no, no. He I, he was told he was totally serious, and like it's just oh yeah. I, no, I can't, I can't I think, sell this anymore. I think for the tenth season in a row, it's going to be the Cleveland Browns, right? We always get excited about the Cleveland Browns. Like, what really has changed besides Baker Mayfield being a little bit quieter this offseason? And so, again, I think there's some some natural hype there, but now you're all of a sudden in a division with not two quarterbacks, but three quarterbacks that you have to worry about. And I, I just, for the 11th or 12th time, they're just going to finish in last again. And, and all the hype and all that mini, this mini hype where they're going to be one of the seven playoff teams will be forgotten. Well, I am uh, so excited to list my disappointing team. I mentioned before I've been emotionally scarred um, and the Green Bay Packers. And this isn't like a, a oh, new wow. take, like a, a lot. I think some people are on this take uh, and, and the idea that Aaron Rodgers is, I, I'm using washed somewhat lightly here. Uh, that is a, a not universally, but widely, generally widely accepted idea at this point uh, by some, some smart people. I think this could, we all agree that the Dallas Cowboys should be very good. Um, I think we can all see some regression coming from the Green Bay Packers. If Mike McCarthy is is off, you know, on the dance floor and, you know, Footloose is on and, and he's, you know, doing the whole thing and everybody's like, oh, Mike, go. And Aaron is off in the corner. That could get really bad. I mean, that relationship in, in Green Bay could get really toxic. The Jordan Love factor. Nobody hates their quarterback more uh, than the Eagles, except for the Green Bay Packers, apparently. And so I think that that could sour. In fact, I will go on the record now. I think at a certain point later this season, I'm feeling wild enough to say I think the Green Bay Packers bench a healthy Aaron Rodgers for a Jordan Love, maybe from the perspective of we are 3-10 and 10. We're out of this. We want to see what Jordan Love has to offer. And there's the it's it's very similar to the day that Ben McAdoo benched Eli Manning and and Green Bay Packer fans are just irate on Twitter. It'll there be awesome. is, Jordan Love will not play a game this year. Let's be clear. If Jordan Love were Pat Mahomes, he would he would play sixteen games this year, Pete. I could see the relationship fracturing there. I think it's already fractured. I don't think Love plays, but I do think that plays a part in the Packers taking a step back. So I'm RJ on that. Uh. Based upon some of the things you've heard out of Green Bay's camp, Aaron Rodgers has been humbled. He's kind of gone back to the film. Aaron Rodgers is never humbled. This is the Are first you? time in his life. <laughs> and I feel like they're going to be back in the mix here. I, 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 but you're right. I, I will admit this part of it, that if 
if they don't, that that could very well be the end of Rogers, similar to where it was all sunshine and roses until the end with Brett Favre. Weird how history repeats itself potentially with Aaron Rodgers. The uh, the two best teams in the NFC North are Kiss Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so you know, let's let's just get that on record. Okay, time for game of the week. Uh, game of the week is is basically what it is. It's the game of the week, the game we feel is the most exciting. Um, and I believe that we all, I mean, I guess generally agree that it's Tampa Bay mm. at New Orleans. Woo! Bucks at Saints. How do we feel? We juiced? Like everybody does this thing where they list the weapons for the Buccaneers. You know, yeah. they did it for the Browns last year. They're like, look at this offense, you know, and they're doing it when they add Leonard Fournette, like LaShawn McCoy. Like you didn't need to do that. This offense has plenty of weapons for Tom Brady. Okay. The problem is, you know, the New Orleans Saints. And when you compare the teams week to week and you ask who has the better coach, who has the better quarterback, who has the more talented roster, right? Boil it down to the basics. The Saints are winning all three of those battles the majority of the time, and they definitely win it in this one, in my opinion, because Brady is aged and is not as good, maybe not even the best quarterback in the AFC East last year. Breeze, while you know he may wear down later on in the year, for the first two to three months of the season, he's been magical. So until that stops, you know I got to assume that he's going to be the same Breeze. So I think the key for Tampa Bay is taking away the quick game. Praying you hold up down the field, don't get gashed too badly. And that sounds great, but the Saints have the best offensive tackle duo in the league and Ryan Ramchek and Teron Armstead. They're going to get Breeze time. And ultimately, there's there's continuity that he kind of alluded to before with the Saints that trumps the Bucks. So I got to go with the Saints here. It's the safe pick. It's the boring pick. But I think the Bucks make it more interesting in the rematch in November. I don't think we get the 48 to 40 boat race like early last year, but I've got it 34, 24 Saints. This matchup to me, if, if you're a fan of pro wrestling, is like getting the Undertaker and Sting a little too late in their careers. Like it, it, it'll be fine. <laughs> like, if, like Undertaker and Sting on TikTok. Right. It, it, it'll, yeah. it'll be It'll be fine, but you just wish it, it. it's a matchup that you'd like to see when Tom Brady and, and Drew Brees were a little bit younger and they still had some some zip on their ball. I, I, I think this is for sure the, the game of the week. I think there's going to be way too many overreactions from the result of this game because, yes. as we've talked about, both teams are expected to win the Super Bowl, let alone the NFC Championship and so on and so forth. So uh, no matter what happens, and, and ultimately, like Kiss, and I, I think this is one of the few points we agree with i think the saints end up winning this game because they are the more more complete team uh, i i am more focused on whether or not rojo gets the snaps because uh. bruce arians came out and said no no despite us bringing leonard fournette in on this one-year deal and him being as good as he was last year with all the yardage and i know there's some tape that doesn't necessarily agree with that but yardage wise Still one of the better running backs in the league. No, Rojo. Ronald Jones is going to be getting most of the snaps in Tampa Bay. Enough of lying to the media, Bruce Arians. It's disrespectful. We don't need it. And we're sick it, sick of it. And next time that you want to say that one of these sub running backs is going to be the guy, we're going to call you back out. I want to get a takeout on the inaugural episode of Monday Football Monday, just so I can, I can say I planted the flag. I think there is an element of Bruce Arians that is wildly overrated. He is regarded, his his sort of thing is he's a quarterback whisperer, right? Like that's, he, he's always somebody who can work with quarterbacks. Worked with Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. Wow. Number one overall pick. Real tough, tough job you had there in Indy, uh, Bruce. Worked with Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Wow. First round quarterback. Those tough cookies. Okay. Really tough. Worked with Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. Number one overall pick, man. Really 
Really dug deep in the barrel there, Bruce. You, you really found some stuff that nobody had ever seen in that Andrew Luck. Went to Arizona. Carson Palmer, former Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall pick, who had had success at the NFL level. Wow, dude. I really am just stunned that you were able to turn Carson Palmer into something legitimate. Goes to Tampa Bay. Gets Jameis Winston, mm. also former Heisman Trophy winner and number one overall pick. Wow, I can't. Now he gets Tom Brady. And it's like, man. Bruce Arians is the quarterback maker. I mean, I'm just, I'm a little, and I think nobody ever really questions Bruce Arians, except for Pete, apparently, uh, because he's cool. Like, he he wears the hat and he curses and he, he's just, nobody wants to call him out on anything because he's cool. More important any, than any of the teams we talked about is, of course, our fantasy teams. And I'm just looking out for the fantasy owners out there. Like, how, yeah. how are you supposed to know whether to put in uh, Fournette or Rojo or who to trade for and, and who to who to maybe shop if you're not going to tell us the truth this is 2020 fantasy is just as important as the regular teams come on well fine i have the saints winning i think the saints are uh like a geyser that are waiting to erupt at least at the beginning of this season i think that might taper off um as evidenced um by my falcons perhaps uh but i think the saints win this game i'm glad to see that we went round and round i hope they go all black that's what it's the superdome Mm. some things are going to be weird get some normalcy in our lives and wear the all black. I don't want to see none of this white top gold pant nonsense, you know, like just give us what we know. Uh, well guys, I'm pumped to be here Monday football Monday with you. Uh, our schedule for the week here on the SB nation NFL show is packed Tuesdays. You get the off day debrief, AKA the Oddcast. Wednesdays. You get the palpably unfair podcast or AKA the pup cast mm. Thursdays. You get uh, a nice little, uh, sort of recap rewind and, and really look ahead, uh, on Thursday night football and what's coming up. And Fridays, of course, you get your gambling advice, your DFS advice, all that stuff. Uh, the fan, Fantasy people are here for you. And then you'll get us next Monday when the Dallas Cowboys are fresh off their 42 to 6 win, the first win in the history of SoFi Stadium. Gonna be some good. Right times. here on Shaken or Beat. This was Monday Football Monday. <laughs>